It is time once again on this Saturday morning for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi, Denny. How are you this morning? I'm doing just great. I was thinking of what our our uh, our late friend Charlie Boone used to say when uh, I would ask him, uh, Charlie, how are you doing? He would say, as you might remember, approaching magnificence. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What a great guy. I miss him yeah. a lot. Me too. Uh, he was a good, good friend. Anyhow, today I thought we'd talk about two things. We have a couple events coming up. Sunday is the Oscars, and of course next Friday is St. Patrick's Day. Now you might think, what does St. Patrick's Day have to do with wine? Well, actually, a lot. Uh, You know, one of the great wags of all time said that the Irish don't bloom well on their own soil. Well, the Irish were very responsible for many great properties in Bordeaux. Uh, they're big Bordeaux drinkers, and the upper classes in Ireland for years were one of the main repositories for shipping uh, Bordeaux wines. And they went to Bordeaux and built great vineyards, Leoville Barton, Leoville Lascasse, Lynch Bage, Phelan Segur, Kerwan, Kalan Segur, Boffier, Leoville Barton, Leoville Lascasse, Lynch Bage, Phelan Phelan Segur, Kerwan, Kalan Segur, Poffier, Leoville Poffier are all uh, properties and all classified big names in Bordeaux that were started and founded by Irish immigrants. In fact, speaking of that, if you note the Arc de Triomphe in Paris, if you look at the very top of it, around it, they list the marshals of France. Napoleon ordered that. And of all those marshals of France, and I think there's 12 or 14 of them, something like that. Five of them or four of them are Irish. So the Irish really have bloomed when they went overseas. And and now they've planted a few, with climate change, they've planted a few vineyards in Ireland. And for years, the Irish uh, drank wine, but it wasn't a big deal thing. Since about 1990, about the time Ireland became well-known for uh, the the Silicon Valley of Europe, they had all this wine from the United States and from Bordeaux going in there. Today, it's increased 25 times over what the imports were in 1990. So they're big drinkers of wine, and they drink all kinds of wines, Uh, red, white, rosé, champagne. And, of course, they're known the world over for their beer Guinness, is uh, probably one of the best-known trademarks in the entire world. And uh, Guinness, of course, had its start there. And, and when we think about, for example, Irish whiskey, and it's become extraordinarily popular in the United States in the last 10 years. I mean, they've really moved up a, a great deal uh in the category of beverages for a category that was almost non-existent. But a very interesting fact about Irish whiskey is two things. One, the word whiskey is a derivation from the old Irish, uskaba, which is water of life. So uskaba became quickly whiskey, and uskaba Irish whiskey was extraordinarily popular here till Prohibition. And then we had Prohibition, and that was, you know, a long time, 20 years of not drinking uh, and having no 
alcohol imported into the country, and old Joe Kennedy, who was Jack Kennedy's father, was a very smart businessman. At the close of Prohibition, he had four ships in New York Harbor filled to the gunnels with scotch whiskey because he was able to buy it and it was fairly inexpensive. And, of course, it was gobbled up by everybody because it, it was good compared to the moonshine and things like that they were getting. And it changed overnight the predisposition to Irish whiskey. Before Prohibition, Irish whiskey in the United States outsold scotch by over 50 to 1. Um, it was close to 200 to 1, as a matter of fact, but I hate citing a number that big. It's almost unbelievable. But anyhow, uh, at the repeal of Prohibition, he had all that scotch in the harbor, and quickly people began to drink scotch, and Irish whiskey fell into a category of kind of a unique uh, local thing, and, and you didn't sell very much of it. Till about when uh, Ireland started to flourish, being the uh, Silicon Valley of Europe, uh, and Irish whiskey became popular, and uh, many Americans, including a very prominent Minneapolitan, uh, went to Ireland and started distilleries. Uh, just in 1990, there were three distilleries in all of Ireland. Today, there are close to 45 of them and growing all the time. It really is remarkable how Irish whiskey has become so very, very popular, and particularly with young people. Uh, and, and, you know, that isn't the only thing uh, that uh, the Irish have that people like. I mentioned Guinness, uh, Irish creams. When you have Irish cream liqueur, it's something that's been popular now for over 30 years. And it is just something unbelievable. Bailey's is, of course, the number one, but there's many, many imitations of Bailey's. And it really is a game-changing drink. These cream liqueurs have replaced your old favorite Benedictine or Tia Maria or Kahlua or Drambuie or those old liqueurs which are hard to come by now because most people don't have liqueurs after dinner. And if they do, they'll have something like Irish cream and put it in coffee or uh, something along those lines or Irish cream itself. It's a sweet, delicious drink, kind of a little bit like having a milkshake after dinner um, when you have Irish cream. But it, it's refreshing and it, it's sweet and it's very, very popular. And... As these Irish creams have become popular, they popularized Irish whiskey as well. In fact, it's kind of interesting when we think about St. Patrick's Day, a lot of people will have an Irish coffee. And Irish coffee had very, very interesting beginnings. A lot of people will tell you, yeah, it was invented in San Francisco by a restaurant called Buena Vista, which is at the foot of the trolley car, the cable car system, right in San Francisco Harbor. And they still sell hundreds of thousands of Irish whiskeys every year. And their recipe, incidentally, which you can see on the Haskell's website, is two parts Irish whiskey, four parts coffee, and one part heavy cream. And you mix them together and you get this Irish cream that is absolutely delicious. 
You can, of course, put sugar in that if you want, but I think with that heavy cream, it's sweet enough. It's a wonderful, wonderful drink, and that was popularized by Buena Vista. However, I digress. It actually was invented at Shannon Airport. Many years ago, uh, when airline traffic was in its infancy in that, planes couldn't make it all the way to Europe, and the closest airport would have been Shannon Airport, and almost every single overseas flight that left the east coast of the United States would stop in Shannon to refuel before they went on to Paris or Berlin or Madrid or wherever they were going. So it became an automatic stopover. In fact, up until maybe 10 years ago, uh, the Irish airlines, they all had to leave and arrive the country from Shannon Airport. It was a regulation. That regulation, of course, has been changed. But anyhow, what happened was a plane got stuck, and it was late, and it was cold and damp and uh, just miserable weather. And the bartender in Shannon Airport had a plane that was stuck there, and uh, about 40 disgruntled passengers looking for some way to warm up, etc. He invented... Irish coffee at Shannon Airport. So the the truth of the matter is it was invented in Ireland. It's very, very popular. Buena Vista, certainly in California, did a phenomenal job of popularizing the drink all over the United States. And Irish whiskey uh, today, Irish coffee, is still extraordinarily popular around the world. And it is a good drink. There's no question about it. If you're having one drink on St. Patrick's Day, have an Irish coffee. It, it is delicious. And, and, of course, that has Irish whiskey in it, which undoubtedly helped uh, become popular. But the Irish, you know, everybody seems to think Ireland is, uh, you know, a backward country. Well, it used to be, but it certainly isn't anymore. You know, corned beef and cabbage was invented in the United States as was St. Patrick's Day being kind of a festive holiday celebrating your heritage. Originally in uh, Ireland, St. Patrick's Day was a religious feast day, and people went to church and there was no partying or whatever. Today it's a big deal thing. They have great parades in all the major cities, Dublin and Shannon, uh, etc., have terrific things. And then they even have corned beef and cabbage, which, as I said earlier, was an American invention. When the Irish immigrants came to the United States, the only thing they could find close to a beef brisket was in Jewish delicatessens where they had corned beef. So cabbage is very Irish, and they had the corned beef with the cabbage, and it was a boiled supper. It became very, very popular. I remember my first trip to Ireland, which is in the late 60s, no one ever heard of corned beef and cabbage in Ireland because, it, like I say, it was an American thing. Today, everybody celebrates it. But Irish stew, of course, is very popular, too. They use lamb, and I think it adds a little more body to the stew than our beef stew. And Irish stew is just absolutely delicious. And a chip, uh, when you're in Ireland, also, fish and chips are great. You know, they copied that from the British. You have a little malt vinegar with it. It's called pub grub, basically, and it's terrific. And burgers and mash are all bangers and mash are another one that is just terrific. It's uh, veal sausages with mashed potatoes, just delicious. So there is a bit of uh, cuisine to Ireland. Uh, it just isn't 
like it used to be, and something called Colcannon, which I happen to love. It's cabbage and mashed potatoes mixed with onions, etc. And it's it's a very popular dish in any seafaring country. In Portugal, it's the national dish. They don't call it Colcannon. That's an Irish name. But it is a very delicious dish, like I said, very hearty. It's mashed potatoes with sliced cabbage and onions in it. And you put that with a little butter and salt and pepper, and boy, I'll tell you, that is just delicious. And, of course, the beers from Ireland are great, too. You know, it isn't just all Guinness. Uh, they have Harp and Kilkenny are a couple of the beers that come to mind that are really delicious, in my opinion. And, of course, nothing, in my opinion, is as good as wild salmon that's caught in those Irish uh, creeks. Absolutely delicious. A kind of rare, although now they're farming it a bit, and uh, they've restocked the are the creeks and rivers, and you can get very, very good fresh-caught Irish salmon, which is absolutely delicious. Well, you might say, well, what kind of wines are you going to have with Irish food? Well, in my opinion, most Irish food really lends itself, other than Irish stew, which is very hearty and should be had with a big red wine, but with a light white wine, that Colcannon with a white Bordeaux would be perfect, as would corned beef and cabbage. You know, corned beef and cabbage, it's salty, etc. You need something with some high acid, and a white Bordeaux fills the bill very, very nicely there. You can go in a high-end white Bordeaux like Chateau uh, Carboneau or Chateau Gravy Lacoste. They're up in the $20 category. But there's some down in the 1012 Chateau Lumelot Blanc is very, very good. And it's a very reasonable and inexpensive white wine that would go very nicely with corned beef and cabbage. And I suggest you have corned beef and cabbage on St. Patrick's Day. It's a great day. Everybody wishes they were Irish on St. Patrick's Day. And it's because the Irish love fun so much. And in loving fun, how could you miss not having good wine? And believe me, uh, much to... My surprise how the good wine business has just grown and mushroomed in Ireland to it is today. It is uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful type of a uh, mixture. Mix that white Bordeaux with corned beef and cabbage, and you'll think God's in heaven and all's right with the world. And incidentally, Ted Farrell has a 6 for 60 that features that Chateau Lumelade Blanc, along with pound cake Chardonnay. A Cote de Rhone, Lemuries, uh, a Standing Goat, Zinfandel, Lascana Malbec, and Ma de Bourgogne, another little Rhone derivative. It's a Van de Pay from France. And those six for 60 are available in all the Haskell stores. And really just an absolutely delicious six pack of wine that would be good to have with the Oscars or would be good to have with, if you're having people over on St. Patrick's Day to have a nice cross selection of wines to celebrate being Irish. And if you're not Irish, just celebrate the Irish and their great tribute to the entire world. Absolutely. Well, Jack, I urge folks to whatever your needs may be for this coming uh, St. Patrick's Day, whatever the occasion, get to Haskell's. Indeed. St. Patrick's Day, again, is a meal more than a six-pack and a potato. That is an old joke about seven-course meal that's Irish. Believe me, some Irish cuisine is very, very good. 
And at Haskell's, we have wines that will pair with that just beautifully. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. Haskell's in Faribault, right off of 35. Our super seller up in Maple Grove is not to be missed. Downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's in Minnetonka. Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury. If you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, Haskell's does deliver. And while I mention it, we have a very interesting tasting that uh, is going to be out at Seven Vine Vineyards, which is up in Delwood. Absolutely fabulous wine tasting, and it'll be the last day of March. Uh, you can get tickets or information at any Absolutely fabulous wine tasting, and it'll be the last day of March. Uh, you can get tickets or information at any Haskell store. Absolutely great. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Jack. Let's uh, talk again next Saturday. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.